podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for the Terrace Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. But there's big news. I've told you before about Manscaped's Weed Whacker, getting rid of those little hairs in your nose. I've told you before about the Manscaped Lawnmower. Yes, doing perfect business downstairs when you want to be nice, fresh, trim, but not nicking anything and, you know, causing yourself any undue pain. Well, now, in order to complete the Manscaped collection, they have released a cologne to help you feel good and smell good at all times. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Now, let me tell you about this cologne. Manscaped describes it as light, approachable, and gentlemanly in all the right ways. And I have to say, I agree with that. I uh, tried the cologne. I tried? Is that the right way to say the cologne? I, I wore the cologne. I sprayed the cologne. I, I, I put the cologne on myself the other day. My wife noticed the fact that I was wearing cologne, and she said that I smelled very nice. Now, you were saying, yeah, Craig, come on. Your wife's going to tell you, you you smell nice regardless of whether this new cologne smells nice or not. Uh-uh-uh. Uh-uh-uh. You do not know my wife. My wife will tell me if I smell like shit. And she said I smelled nice. So that is a, a thumbs up from Ariane Robertson right there. And she is somebody that is honest as the day is long. It's got the thumbs up from her. It's got the thumbs up from me. And I think you would like it as well. So if you'd like to try out this new cologne, then you could do so. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use Terrace to look good, feel good, smell good with Manscaped. Welcome to Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler, and on this occasion, to help me talk through the six Scottish Premiership matches from the weekend, it's Graham Thulis. Hello. And Mr. Craig Cairns. Hello. Here uh, this time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we just recorded just record that. That, that hesitation you had there was terrifying. I thought I'd done it again. I was a bit exposed. <laughs> yeah, we just recorded the intro when Craig was there. <laughs> it's just like, and Craig Cairns, and then just silence. <laughs> Silence for about five seconds before me and Graham just both burst out laughing But anyway, you're here now And uh, you can help us uh, to, You can begin by helping us talk about Hibs Aberdeen 2-0 to the high bees uh, They're, f- I think, going into this match They've only won one game in 11 against Aberdeen uh, Just the kind of type of team that it seems like Historically, Hibs have had problems against A bogey side for them And... But there was a kind of lot of doubt coming into this game whether that would continue to be the case. Hibs had won two on the bounce. Aberdeen were not in great form at all. I think they won one and six going into the match. And with basically a kind of lot of turnover at Aberdeen, Ryan Hedges was ruled out for the rest of the season. Uh, just, I think, the day before the game. They obviously also lost Scott Wright at the end of the January transfer window. And they haven't looked really like a, a good side in the attack in front, at least consistently for a number of weeks now. So I suppose it wasn't too big a surprise uh, that Hibs won this one. But Craig, maybe a, a surprise in terms of kind of how dominant they were for most of it? Uh, yeah, uh, probably. I mean, I think it's not really that surprising because it just seems to be this, uh, a continuation of the slump that Aberdeen are in at the moment. And um 
you did expect them to, they always get result in this fixture, so you did expect them to kind of get back to winning ways here, or I did anyway. But uh, yeah, no, they just seem, there's still this staleness there, it seems. And not only that, but the some of the players you mentioned that they're missing now, some of those were key to that system that they have now, uh, that, they, that he seems to be persistent with. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's brought in new bodies up front, but the jury's still out on them. Largely, I said in a podcast, a Patreon, a, a a month or so ago about uh, Hornby and that because we were talking about Scotland B teams and I said I didn't know if it was kind of like this Jack Harper effect that there was kind of hype about him just because he was playing in a foreign country but he maybe was never really going to make it as a Scotland international and the early evidence seems that he's I don't know he doesn't really seem that great but it's early doors obviously moving country and uh, and uh, Aberdeen he's going into a team that's kind of as I say in a bit of a slump at the moment but uh, yeah I don't know there just seems to be this bit of a staleness at Aberdeen at the moment there was really a, a kind of number of problems Aberdeen's performance in, in this game but Graham you could probably probably a good place to start is maybe with the, the front three so effective at Easter Odell in the season and McInnes basically said himself in his post-match interview referencing Watkins who hasn't played for who's obviously away from the club and hasn't played for months anyway uh, Hedges and Wright three guys that were so effective in the in the win over Hibs earlier the season they now don't have that against Hibs they started with Hornby and the two players behind them sticking with the 3-4-3 which was perhaps a mistake in itself but doing so they had Johnny Hayes and Lewis Ferguson uh, Hayes was anonymous and for Lewis Ferguson as was kind of illustrated last season when he played the number 10 it's not his role to play to be that far forward he is a goal threat in the opposing penalty box but the best you get out of Lewis Ferguson is to let him be that combative great two-way player in a number 8 role Yeah it, it does feel kind of just like a little bit of a shame and the 3-4-3 the, the three, three for Aberdeen when it was working was about the most interesting that Aberdeen have been um, in quite a long time um, maybe since the season that they properly pushed Celtic for a, for a good chunk of it as well it's the most sort of interesting and most exciting they've been to watch for a period of time and almost immediately the whole thing has kind of fallen to bits um, whether it's through Cosgrove who, who clearly decided he had enough Maine had decided he had enough and Watkins getting injured right taking his pre-contract and then Hedges legs falling off Um and again, I, I'm, I'm loath to, always loath to sort of comment on other fans being critical of their manager because I don't watch them week in, week out, and they do, and I kind of understand where they're coming from on that. But had had those had they had those bodies for the for the whole of the season and the, the opportunity that, that that seemed to have been presenting itself very earlier on in the season, the addition of McCrory in that midfield as well, and him playing alongside Ferguson, it just feels a bit of a shame for Aberdeen more than anything else. Um, and that it was exciting and it was fun, whereas now McInnes seems kind of wedded to this system, regardless of what's what else has happened, and obviously quite a lot else has happened. Um, we seem to have fallen into sort of previous bad habits that he's maybe had as a manager and that we're looking at. I mean, Ash Taylor at the moment looks like he is returning to being Ash Taylor that we all remember as opposed <laughs> to Ash Taylor who, I mean, to be fair, it's Ash Taylor who he tends to be as a reasonable player. Um, it typically seems then, to have like a month on, a month off of being Ash Taylor. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> whichever Ash Taylor he's going to be that month. And see if it's that month, just don't play him. And just stuff like... McKinnon's not really doing himself a, a huge amount of favours in starting. Like, McGeech doesn't, has never really seemed like he's fitted in at Aberdeen there. And I understand that maybe sort of shorter bodies in there at the moment going with him. And then 15 minutes to go, who can Ash Taylor and bring on Shea Logan? You could almost hear the collective groan of Aberdeen fans at that point <laughs> as well, given that Logan's barely kicked a ball for Aberdeen in goodness knows how long. So 
it feels like it, it feels like it's coming to a fairly natural conclusion um, for Aberdeen and Derek McInnes at this moment in time, um, which is a shame. Um, he has done a, a, a huge amount there, and I imagine in five years' time, when they've been through another two managers who haven't really done a huge amount more, he will be looked on an awful lot more fondly than he is at the moment. Um, I'm really unsure like about that. Sorry, whether it's you think it's coming to an end soon. I think I, I think come come the end of the season, I think Derek McInnes will will leave Aberdeen. Would be my assumption. Yeah. It's never really seemed like he's fitted with Dave Cormack. He That's why I'm Im- not sure because I, I think that um, I think that given performances, I think as I've said before, it's got to the stage where they now the the stick or twist, if you like. Um, but the you're right. The kind of the the variable in there is whether Dave Cormack wants to gamble and so because. Aberdeen maybe should have been pushing second this season. Yeah, definitely. Especially the way they played in the campaign, where they, they really did look good. And like I say, some of that has been a bit of bad luck, like right, except their peak contracts. But then again, you didn't have to sell them. Uh, Watkins getting injured. Uh, but then maybe you should have, could have pushed harder to try and keep them past the, the January window. Uh, Hedges is obviously just a bit of uh, bad luck. But it, it seems like McInnes... If he's going to keep his job, he's going to have to figure out again on the fly how to construct a kind of real kind of functioning unit with this team. And there's not much time in which to do so. And there's a lot of players that are contracted the summer. It just kind of feels like the end of the season, especially if they finish fourth, which is kind of what's looking like at present. It's going to be three consecutive fourth place finishes. They're clearly kind of, if not going backwards, then at the very least stalling under McInnes. And the while over the course of his tenure at Aberdeen Manager, I think it's undoubted he's done a cracking job. The fans who, who disagree with that, I think, have very short-term memories and, and forget what a complete farce the club was before he turned Mark up. McGee. Yeah, just continually finishing bottom six all the time. But this season would mark four, three consecutive seasons where they're spending, by far and away, the third most amount of money in terms of budget in the country. And to finish behind... Motherwell, Kamarnock, and now Hibs. I think it's it's too much of underachievement that at this tail end of his Aberdeen tenure that I think uh, it'd just be tight. It'd probably be best for all parties if he just walked away. Whether he does or not, I'm not sure because he's just survived there so long that it's just it's hard to say that he's definitely going to go. It's like back, it's like saying Hamlet Aki's going to get relegated. <laughs> Inevitably, they won't. And and again. The, the, what he's got for the rest of the season as well, and something that which I think he deserves like it, just colossal amounts of credit is is essentially turning Sam Cosgrove from a guy who you immediately looked at and went he absolutely no do to getting what three million pounds from a few years later, uh, given that he's not he's barely played this season as well, and he turned the it's rare that you see a player make that level of progression, and that was the faith that we kind of showed in him, and obviously the work that was put in to turn him into being that. And now he has to go and try and do that potentially again with Fraser Hornby, who at time to times I, I do agree with you, Craig. He was he was not a, a great part of this game. Um, he has attributes which means he should be a, a decent striker at this level. You would have thought. Um, but Still, does, early does, and he's a young lad. It, it absolutely is, and but is if he's going to have that sort of if McInnes is going to have that sort of effect and turn him in from being a guy who looks like a reasonable player to being a guy who's one of the best centre forwards in the division he's going to need time to do that and the second half of a season where you're already under pressure and you're already struggling and your team just isn't clicking that's a very difficult thing for him to go and do just now for a guy who is still a lone player at Aberdeen as well it's just 
it feels like a very challenging thing to do for the rest of the season um, for, for McInnes Craig, Jack Ross won a big game though yeah I was about to say Craig we should probably move off of uh, the, being critical of Aldi to, to heap some praise on him and yeah you're correct uh, Ross won a big game seems to have settled into a, a new kind of system for playing this he's, he's kind of changed it a lot this season he's, he's somebody who's not afraid to, to switch formations depending on opponent or whichever players are in form and now he seems to have settled on a kind of three at the back system which with Chris Cadden and Jackson Irvin starting to slot in Looks like it's it's exactly the way the Hibs want to play. And uh, one other thing, uh, which I think we should talk about, Kevin Isbitt. He seems to have fucked up things up royally for himself, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, but I think I don't know. Maybe maybe Ross needed an excuse not to persist with what he what he had before. It's kind of worked out well for him. But I'm sure that will turn into healthy competition between now and the end of the season. I I, I think it would be. Uh, it would be wrong it wouldn't suit anybody for him to be frozen out for the rest of the season so yeah I think he'll provide um, a healthy competition for the rest of the season I think uh, Boyle being back on form is huge for Hibs uh, I did say that when Cadden came in it looked like uh, he was going to play right wing back and that would then free Boyle up to become like a third striker which and the the big thing's been Irvin though he's just he's really transformed them since he came in and I think the big thing about Cadden and Irvin is they haven't played much football recently and we probably will see uh, better from them uh, going forward yeah and that's why you've really got to fancy Hibs for third if these two, I mean obviously injury could derail it but if, if Irvin and, and Cadden continue to even if they stay at this level even if they don't regress at all like uh, but as you're right, as you're saying, Craig, they should get a little bit better because they should get a little bit more match sharpness in them. I mean, what was it, Irvin? Hadn't he played in like almost a year before he t- pitched up at Hibs? I think Cadder had only played once since like October. So them getting a run of games uh, should only make Hibs a better side. And it's just it's just hard to look past them right now for, for third place. Obviously, in the Scottish stuff like that can change very, very quickly. But uh, at this moment in time, uh, they just... They kind of look as... as a cut above the other teams, obviously other than Celtic Rangers, then kind of similar to what Aberdeen looked like back in October before the wheels fell off. I think it's on the Nisbet thing as well. I, th- I think there is an element of, yeah, um, you've kind of fucked us off here, mate, so go and sit on the bench for you. But, but I think, like you say, Craig, as, as well, the, the reintroduction of Boyle, I think, is a much bigger part of that as well. Um, and in terms of Cadden and Irvin as acquisitions, I struggle to think of many more players that, if had they not played in a year, I'd have been perfectly comfortable in signing them and dropping them straight into a team because both of them are just absolute monsters. Like the two just guys that just have that sort of really aggressive fitness mentality. So again, if you if you've not played in a year, it's not like they'll have missed out for a year. It's not like they're Ross McCormick, for example. If he's not played football in a year, you're going to fucking notice <laughs> as you did. Jackson Irvin and Chris Cadden haven't played football in, f- football in the best part of a year. You know, fine that both of them have been looking after themselves and are ready to go at a moment's notice at any time and they're just I know and I'm I am guilty of this myself but you look at Hibs teams throughout history and Hibs are soft Hibs have always been soft Hibs always tend to be soft but suddenly again just the addition of McGregor the addition of Irvin the addition of Cadden suddenly alongside Goggins in that midfield it just looks meaner it looks tougher and it's not it's not aggression in terms of going and hurting people it's just aggression in terms of being that fit pressing aggressive player who are going to chase people all over the park 
McGregor as well. They they highlighted it on Sports Scene as well. And a collection of his tackles are just absolutely great value. I mean that that's what you that's what I want from my centre half is a guy clattering into somebody and then holding on holding on to him when he's lying on top of him, being like, No, you're not getting up. Fuck off, mate. I'm bigger than you. Um you're not getting back up and chasing that ball because I'm gonna hold on to you for a minute. Just just enough so that I've got that time in there as well. And it's that level of just sensible professionalism, um, which again Hibs offering lengthy contracts to McGregor and Hanlon and Stevenson as well. It's one of those things that looks kind of backwards looking on 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 paper, but guys who have that mentality within them are invaluable around the club. Uh, guys that will look after everyone else, guys that set a standard. And you can see teams throughout Scottish football at the moment who don't have players like that within their squad and they're suffering for it because they don't have guys, they don't have enough guys within the squad who are setting the standard and being professional and you can see that in their performances just now as well it's not just a ment- it's not just within the dressing room it's on the pitch and you see what they're doing and it's heads are good um, and I know Ross has come in for a lot of hassle over the last few weeks in terms of not winning big games and whatever else as well but again he's what about a year into the job now and if you're a year into the job it's going to take time to bring in the bodies you need and if you're going to change your mentality if you're going to do things like that then you need to give them the time and the patience and the budget to go and do that it's not something that you can do over a three month period whether Hibs then start going and actually winning big games it's it's a question which remains to be answered but at the moment you've got to look at it and start, start thinking you've got to back them for that as well if he keeps signing players like Cadden and Irvin, then yes, he's heading in the right direction and he will build a good Hibs team. Uh, last thing on the Nesbitt thing, I think it's nothing more than him being dropped for a game and it working and he's just out the team now because the system worked without him, basically. I don't think there's any more in it than that. Yeah. But I know if it just continues that way, does the figure, like, because it's not a given it sounds like a given because of how much praise Kevin Nisbet's had this season but I mean if you, if you compare Kevin Nisbet to Christian Doig somebody who scored loads of goals last season somebody who's very important to that Hibs team he doesn't necessarily have to score to, to show that importance he's somebody that just kind of occupies defenders and makes the job a lot easier for his strike partner and his strike partner right now is Martin Boyle and if you look at Nisbet and Boyle there's, you know there's do you want to say Nisbet's a better player? yeah but you could, you could make the case that Boyle is it's not a given that if they're all fit and this bit's going to get back in easily and it really could hurt his, his chance for getting on the bus for the Euros. Especially as we'll come on to later, Lord Shankland actually having a game where he had more than one chance at it. Uh, that, that might not bode well for, for this bit as well. But we should move on. Uh, let's go to Paisley next where Simon got a 2-0 win over Kilmarnock but the reason we're, we're pushing this very high and our running order is because Kilmarnock have a new manager Toby Wright is in charge and he'll be tasked with saving a team that Craig I would say looks like it doesn't have much fight in it at the moment Yeah it's. I think it's a difficult one to assess really because the way Dyer's reign ended, it was, for a long time, he kind of stuck with the formula and largely the squad that was successful under Clark. Um, and then towards the end there, he kind of, he tried almost everything. He threw everything at it. And uh, there's a couple of players came and gone. And there's a couple of really unknowns that have come in. I'll be honest, I don't really know much about the two boys they've brought in. So... I think there's, I think there are big unknowns in, in that squad. I think... It looks on paper about the best calibre of manager they, they, they could have pulled out for this situation, I think. But I would caveat that with, I don't remember, I, I, 
Tommy Wright took over St Johnston in a, a a decent state after a successful season, and the manager moved on. And um, I, I don't remember him coming in midway through, but he hasn't come in midway through the season during the relegation battle before. So it'll be very interesting to see how how he uh, adapts to that. Yeah, I think the I think what you could say is that he's had he's had moments at St Johnson where they've struggled and he's had to kind of change things midway through the year and it's kind of worked and they've pulled themselves out of it. But it's it's one thing to do that at a club that you're very familiar with, you've had prior success with. It's it's another to do it at a completely new team, especially since the transfer window is already closed and you're going to be very restricted in terms of bringing in new bodies if there if there indeed is actually any money in which to do so. But I still think that this squad is far too good to be tenth in the table and really toiling. And I mean, I know that the, the injuries to defence haven't helped, and there was a couple of other kind of really poor goals that they lost at the weekend. Uh, you know, they're missing players and goalkeeper, missing like a few centre halves. The fullbacks, none of them have really kind of worked out this season. But you still kind of look through their squad, and this was a team that early, even earlier this season, you kind of thought, well, they could quite easily finish fifth and maybe even get into Europe and now you're like are they going to stay in the division I think he just has to kind of pick this team up from the canvas and get them I don't know get them some sort of confidence again in themselves uh, I, I don't know what's happening but this is I think Craig Adams said this was the first time that he, he looked at this side and thought actually we could go down because it really did offer nothing against the they were the, he, sorry. He was a notoriously slow starter at St Johnston, but we had never. I don't think we ever saw him in a relegation battle with ten games to go, did we? I don't, no, I don't nothing quite that. that but there was a couple of times where they looked like they could be sucked in a relegation battle. Yeah, early never, on. Yeah, I don't think it was ever as desperate as this. To be fair, no, no. The, concern, the, concern, the concern for right and command going forward is guys like Alan Power who suddenly just look. Alan Power looked like he did in that first game he played against their United. Um, like various years ago where he just looked a million miles off the pace and again there are everyone goes through a period of every player regardless of how good, bad and indifferent you are goes through periods of poor form um, but for someone as influential in the Kelly side as Alan Pearl to just have a, a, as bad a game as he'll have had in the past couple of years um, and just I, I appreciate what you're saying with the squad and that there are there are good players within there as well but there are also just gaping holes in it as well and my concern for Kilmarnock is that they've just left it just a little bit too late essentially and that Motherwell emptying uh, or Robinson leaving Motherwell gave them a bit of time to at least try and address a few of the issues within the squad which obviously the biggest one being the goalkeeper which they have will come on to later as well that Motherwell have very much addressed that area they've brought in some centre halves they've brought in some solidity within the side as well I try was trying to find out how long Rogers was out for and couldn't really say, find anything very much. But if the longer Doyle continues in goals for Kilmarnock, the bigger a concern that is for everybody because they're short of centre half, so that's that that's not helping either. But Doyle is it's getting to the point where it looks like every just just about every shot on target. You wonder if that's when you're watching highlights, every shot on target, like well, this could be the goal because he might spill it, it might go right through him, it might go an inch to his right, at which point he won't save it either. Um, and then at fullback as well, they just look very, 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 very light and very, very weak at fullback as well. It's it's a concern. Um, and at centre forward, they've got no one really scoring goals. So at the moment, they're not stopping goals. They're still conceding loads of goals. Or they're not scoring goals. They're not conceding. Or they are conceding a lot of goals as well. And their goalkeeper looks terrible as well. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a big worry. It's bleak. It's bleak, yes. Um, sorry, Kelly fans. 
It's not, it's not Blink for St Mirren though who could look at this moment in time like they are going to be the clear favourites to, to take that final kind of top six spot. They're only a point ahead of Dundee United uh, there but they do have three games at hand over United and uh, St Johnson as well who are just a point behind United as well. And St Mirren, they also kind of look the, the, the cup final, was, uh, sorry the cup semi-final was obviously a big disappointment but overall they, they've trended in the right direction the last couple of months they continue to do so the Goodwin seems to have early in the season guys like Dermis and Obika weren't performing at all and that was a main reason why they were so kind of powder puff in attack Obika's finding form he looks he looks hungry again Dermis was kind of has followed the pattern of last season of starting off very poorly and then coming on a game he was very good against Kelly and they're, they're getting great play in the centre of the park from guys like uh, Jake Doyle-Hayes, who we've spoken before, and also Ethan Erehon, who who was excellent in this game on, on both sides of the ball. Great passing, great at breaking up, breaking up the play. And just whether they're playing in a three or they're playing in, uh, with a, a, a four at the back, they just seem to now have the required options to go out and hurt teams. And when they've been fit and available, or not suspended and available, I should say, the defence has impressed all the way through this campaign. We spoke quite a few times earlier on in the season, Craig, just saying that St Mirren, if St Mirren get their 11 on the park, they'll they'll do absolutely fine. But just now the way in which the squad has been developed and just a couple of extra bodies here and there has really made a, a huge difference in that respect. It now looks like, I mean, obviously Doyle Hayes was, was missing for the, has been missing a little bit as well. Abika's been in and out, but they just... You suddenly look at it and there's just that little bit more depth there um, and it's made a huge difference for them as well. Um, the fact that they'd lost uh, Anik, who's been a, a huge part of their season as well and you didn't even really notice, which is partially down to Kilmarnock being absolutely powder puff up front as well, but the, you never looked under any great danger in that respect either. Um, but I had my notes. I, 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 reckon, I think this is the way the other results had gone this weekend um, with United picking up points and St Johnston picking up points. I think this is the result which which confirms St Mirren as the final member of the top six as well going forward. Which, given how the last few seasons have been for St Mirren and given how this season has been at points as well for them, there's a huge achievement for, for Goodwin as well and a huge achievement for the squad going forward. But I think with the extra games in hand, I think they'll just about do it enough and particularly with, with Dundee United running, I think you can... Uh, count them out of the top six race. St Johnston still playing well, but I think just the the three extra games will not make the difference. Yeah, I think it's difficult to disagree with with, with any of that. Really, I think uh, Goodwin's recruitment's been fantastic since uh, since the start of the year, really. And um, he, like a couple other sides uh, in the division, he, he seems to foster a real team spirit there, and he has a couple of systems now, whereas he was kind of fumbling about a bit. At the start of the season, he has a couple of systems now where he can drop players in and out and rotate, and uh, it seems to be working for them. They, as you kind of mentioned, though Fowler, the one kind of game where it really mattered, they kind of choked a bit, which was obviously really disappointing for them. Yeah, no, undoubtedly. Um, but uh, we talked about that after the match. The Goodwin's kind of tactics in that game left a lot to be desired, and kind of went back to what they were like at the, the start of the campaign, where they really didn't have much and they were just kind of lumping balls forward and there was no real imagination of that it was a yeah a terrible performance from players and manager at the kind of worst possible time but at least uh, it looks like some men in the top six I mean bloody hell fair play lads if, if that ends up happening at the end of the season because we certainly laughed at your chief exec when he, <laughs> he said that's what you should again. be aiming for again yes 
Right, uh, let's move on to West Lothian, where the juggernaut finally came to a halt in a game that I didn't see coming uh, since I uh, picked it as my banker on a view for the terrace on Friday and also stuck Livingston on my coupon. And they were beaten 2-1 by St Johnston. And uh, I think that was, what, 14 matches in all competitions? Uh, that run's now come to an end. Uh, and I didn't necessarily think it would happen in the dress rehearsal for the, the League Cup final. But it, it, Craig, to me, it just seemed like one of those games where it was bound to happen sooner or later where just too many guys have off days. Uh, they miss a couple of key players. And... Yeah, it's just a, it's just one of those ones, a bad day at the office, and you just have to, to play kind of right off and, and go again. Aye, I, I, it really wasn't much more than that. It, it, in a nutshell, this game, it wasn't much to do with shape or a tactical battle. It came down to a bit of a scrap in the end, to be honest. St. Johnson's back three just won everything. Their wing-backs uh, won their battles, Um Craig was really good in front of the defence. They dominated set pieces at, uh, at, at at both ends. Livy, you talk about the players who were missing. The two players, one of them was through injury, which was Guthrie. They missed him defending set pieces. They missed him getting on the end of them. I think he scored five goals from set pieces or something this season. Uh, and they equally missed Mullen, um, who they, they just didn't have a set piece taker at the team without him, actually. They were going between Lawson and... Was it Longridge? One of their left footers anyway, and, and they just weren't getting the same delivery as, as uh, Mullen gives them. But like I say, it came down to a scrap, and it came down to um, a free kick, which Aaron Taylor Sinclair should never have been given that foul away. And the the goalkeeper's either set up his wall wrong or he's got to save that. And um, that, in a, that in a set piece, it's come down to really, Livy had a bit of a late rally, but they wouldn't have really, really deserved anything. But yeah, there was nothing really too interesting, kind of tactically or anything about this. It was just, like I say, St. Johnston, uh, their back three won everything and they won more individual battles across the pitch, basically. Graham, looking at that goal, I think it's easy to tell that uh, the keeper... Uh has made a complete art of it just by the reaction of everybody in the wall who kind of turned around <laughs> and just stared, at, just stared at him as if to say, how the hell did you let that go past you? Yes. Um, it's kind of like, like, like Craig said, it just felt like St. Johnston just won all their battles as well. What I would say is that I think this absolutely guarantees that Livingston are going to win the League Cup final now. Um, I, I, it was just that it was, I had that feeling that whoever won this game was going to lose the final um, because whoever, both Davidson and, and Martindale seem very meticulous in their preparation. So I presume that all that's going to happen the week before the League Cup final is that Martindale will be showing videos of well this is what they did against this last time we played so don't fucking do that again um, which again seems fairly inevitable as well um, it's good to see that uh, Stevie May once again is is living in his own new normal um, as well but Livy just to me just looked a little bit leggy It was uh, I wondered whether it was a case of having an unbeaten run um, and we know it's sort of it's a slightly different level um, but Celtic's unbeaten run as well and when it was coming to the end of that they just started to look leggy almost like it was like a weight of expectation was on them so eventually whatever maybe it's actually better that you just go and lose a game um, but just even the goals they conceded the the foul from Aaron Taylor Sinclair was just he was just that half yard too short a half yard too slow on it the foul which set up um, 
the free kick for Rooney to score again as well. It was Bartley just being that little bit of slow to turn on it as well and just get back. Everything just felt that just half yard short for Livingston throughout the game. It just St Johnston were very, very good, very, very good, and, and deserve a lot of credit for that. And it, it kind of felt like the out Livingston, Livingston. Um, having watched them do that for 14 games in a row they just went well see what they do let's just do that harder than they do today and it, Livingston just suffered a little bit for it as well so uh, it, it's it's interesting um, how that goes the rest of the season had Livingston picked up the win there then they come within striking distance of Aberdeen they stay in touch with the Bernie and now it looks like it's maybe just that little bit beyond them um, so how they respond is going to be very interesting for the rest of the season it's funny you say that about um, uh, Davidson because he did say after the game, we didn't really work on tactics. We focused on the attitude and commitment because that's what you need to get a result. Um, that was the most pleasing thing for me. Basically just saying there, we wanted it more. We want, we went, I told them, <laughs> go out and want it more. And they did go out and want it more and they've won. So anybody who says that that's bullshit, get it up you. <laughs> I do want to, on a serious point, I do want to talk about uh, Chris Kane because he's been excellent recently. He doesn't look like a guy, again, doesn't look like a guy who's going to score you lots of goals, but he's an absolute pest. He won a ton of free kicks. He got St. Johnson up the park many times, uh, relieved pressure loads. And I just wonder whether uh, the Stephen McLean influence, with him being in there as a coach this season, I wonder whether that is part of the reason we're seeing an improvement in Chris Kane this season. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Yeah, you often wonder what kind of a, a new coach can. It, I always think it's quite simple when fans say like, "Oh, we've got this kind of coach, and he should be able to teach the strikers to be much better." Kind of thing. And I think it's. I don't think it's always quite as simple as that. But you do wonder whether somebody like McLean, who did kind of make the best of his career. I mean, the guy was. I mean, Club legend. Yeah, exactly. And to put it simply, the guy was not blessed with, you know, terrific, physical attributes. He certainly squeezed the most out of his mm-hmm. God-given talents with the career he had. And he was also quite well-versed in the dark arts, like wing fouls, like being a pest to opposing centre-backs. And if Chris Cade develops more Stephen McLean in him, then that can only be a good thing for St Johnson. And again, like, like again, coming back to sort of things like mentality and things like that, it's, it's changing your approach. And I presume Stephen McLean did not want to he as a centre forward wanted to go and presumably wanted to go and score as many goals as he possibly could and he scored plenty of goals and fair play to him and some very big ones for St Johnston as well and Chris Kane I would imagine is much the same as well but at some point you need to recognise what your role really is are you going to be a number 9 goal scorer that goes and scores 20 goals a season no you're not but if you go and change your game in this way like I did exactly like I did then you go and set up 20 goals for everyone else for the rest of the season as well. Um, and are we saying then that Aberdeen really should have taken Chris Kane rather than Callum Hendry? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Because that's what Aberdeen need, need someone now like that to bring people in. in, in. Yes, but um, Aberdeen also would have uh, demanded, uh, sorry, I mean, St Johnson would have demanded several million pounds uh, for, for Chris Kane, <laughs> obviously, that they wouldn't have done for, for Callum Hendry. So that's, that's the difference right there. Fair enough. 
Right, let's move on to the game in the Highlands. Ross County nil, Dundee United 2. Dundee United actually looking like a, a decent team uh, for a change in, in terms of attack. And I think a lot of that was to do with the fact that Mickey Mellon uh, played with two strikers instead of three. Although he still had Mark McNulty out of position on the right, but at least it meant that Nicky, ha- Cad- uh, Nicky Cadden, Nicky Clark wasn't out of position on the left. Time. Yeah, it was actually a fairly open game overall. Um, another player that came in did well was uh, sorry, player that came in and did well was Pollitt. He seems to be making his way into the side now. He came on uh, in the second half or half time, I think it was, in the improved second half against Motherwell. And ability wise, he's maybe not quite good enough for United at this level, but he's certainly the the type of player the they've been missing the type of player that they need they need to get an upgrade on Pollitt for next season basically um, Fuchs Fuchs was really good again um, as was Smith they got a lot of joy down the right but um, yeah you're right he, he had to he had to just drop one of those strikers didn't he but the I still find that I know they've won the game but I still find it a bit strange that he has dropped Clark out of the three of them he seems to be persistent with McNulty regardless and as you've said sometimes out of position and for me he's been the weaker of the three this season yeah he's not it's, McNulty's barely kicked his arse since his first spell of hints <laughs> yeah he did well in the game against Hamilton he was actually excellent that day <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with you as well. Particularly Clark. Clark, there's a collection of guys within the United squad who I think in a regular season where you know you're getting fans in and whatever else might already have been moved on or replaced by by other bodies coming in. There are body, there are guys within that squad who you kind of look at and go, "You're a you are a Scottish Championship player as opposed to a Scottish Premiership player." And I think Clark might have been one of those, but. Broadly this season he's been pretty good, has contributed big goals for them and important goals for them as well and given how much money United are are, are allegedly sinking into Mark McNulty, I understand why you're playing him because if you've got that amount of money sinking into a player who's, regardless of how good, bad or indifferent it is, you're kind of obliged to play him but he doesn't really seem to be, he's not been good value essentially, particularly given that there's, there's money within if the money that had been spent there, instead of having three centre-forwards, you could have um, a three functioning centre-halves. That may have been a, a step forward. Speaking of centre-halves as well, um, the boy Hielder at Ross County does not look like much of an acquisition. He really struggled against Motherwell when he was sort of playing on the left, closer to the left, um, and in this game as well had a, a couple of really, really sensationally good fresh air swings, uh, among other things as well, but he doesn't look like a great... If I was looking to build a, a, a defence to keep me up, I don't think I would be leaning on him. No, certainly not. Uh, also, Callum... Cal Morris was highlighted uh, for United's first goal on, on sports teams all one kind of bust in a gut to, to get back after the the set piece at the, at the opposite end. But he also tracks Shanklin's run terribly. Like, he doesn't get tight enough to him at all. Just gets completely, like, seems to lose, you know, the, uh, the undoubted main scoring threat for United in the box. And it was just kind of piss poor. And to me, County just seems like a problem with them, and it's kind of been a problem all season, is that... They're a little too weak at the back. They concede soft goals and they miss chances at crucial moments. And they got a huge result in midweek. 
uh, as we all know, but they still don't really look like they're going to be anything better than 11th and maybe have to just chance their luck with the playoffs or hope that the, the playoffs don't happen again due to another coronavirus <laughs> shutdown. <laughs> I, I wonder if Hughes kind of underestimated United. I mean, I know they were on a poor run, but he, he set up fairly gung-ho for this game and, it, like I said, it did lead to quite an open game. He, he started with... Um, so recently he's been playing with a front three with a striker and then Andrew and Hilton quite narrow. And it's like he still played with uh, Andrew and Hilton quite narrow, but then he played a strike partnership along with that. And then he had Peyton as one of his kind of sitters with Kelly. And I mean, I know Kelly's definitely got a bit of dig about him, but he's kind of like, he's like, he's like a good kind of, technical footballer as well and, and Peyton, Peyton uh, is, is a good footballer with like a, a kind of a bit less dig and it just seemed like there was it just seemed like a really open setup, and uh, I mean maybe he wasn't expecting that performance from United but um, it was it was a fairly even game I think he, Ross County maybe edged chances in the, in the first half but um, yeah I think I think, uh, I think Hughes' setup left uh, a little bit to be desired, I'd say. And that's so he's won one, drawn one, and lost four since he came in. Now that's 1.25 points per game. That would give them 35, 36 points at the end of the season. And the way this is going, it looks like, I mean, that, that looks, that's going to leave them in trouble, isn't it? That's really going to leave them in trouble. It's, it's basically, we're down to three teams now, aren't we? They've won, we uh, they've won two since he came in. I think oh. you said one there, because they beat Hibs as well. They beat Hibs and beat Hamilton. Ah shit. Okay. Well, just just ignore all that last bit that I said. That all the. <laughs> you're right. You're right in the sense that it's kind of hard to tell whether this is going to work out yet or not. Because those those matches, I mean, beaten. Uh, did it, wait, hang on. They also slumped Aberdeen as well, did they not? So if you just go back, listen to that bit again, and completely pay attention, sink, let it all sink in. <laughs> I mean, in 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 a large part, uh, a reason why Dundee United are where they are this season, why they're going to probably stay up, is essentially down to Ross County. Given the United have won seven games this season, and three of them have come across, come against Ross County. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, Dundee United regarding Mickey Mellon must be very very thankful for uh, for the Staggies, uh, long and the short of it. But you do, uh, it's it's kind of. Uh, Good, well, we said it is hard to tell because, right, so his first game, I believe, was the match at Celtic Park. So, yeah, they get beat 2 0, fair enough, whatever. Uh, then they get beat at home by St. Martin. Okay, that's a bit worrying. But then they beat Hibs. Like, oh, right, what, what job he's doing? Gets a point against St. Johnson. Here we go, we're rolling. Get beat Livingston. Ah, you know, that's fine. Everybody loses to them. Beat Aberdeen. Oh, fuck yeah, what a team. And then. Should be Celtic manager. Yeah, and then you get thumped <laughs> by Rangers, uh, which is. Kind of stands out a wee bit because Rangers haven't been thumping a lot of teams of late. It's the only and, team to have thumped recently, yeah. yeah. You're and right. then uh, lose to Motherwell at home. Obviously not great because the kind of dreadful form Motherwell have generally been in. Won the lip get, as well. Then you get the big result against Hamilton and you're thinking, no, 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 they're back on track again. And then lose at home to the United team who hadn't won in eight. So it's just like, it seems to flip every week where I'm thinking that Yogi's going to either do a... a Wraith Rover's job or kind of the job that he done similar to Inverness or Falkirk where he is actually a success. It's kind of looking at the fixtures coming, it doesn't immediately get any easier. They've got Hibs, Celtic and St Mirren away, their next three. Uh, then they'll... At home. 
Yes. Uh, then they're home, 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 home to Hibs, home to Celtic. Uh, home to Celtic, and, and then away to Sunburn, and then they're uh, home to Kilmarnock, which by that point, Tommy Wright could have turned things around. So it's, yeah, you're kind of, it's a big stretch uh, coming up for, for County, and still, there's still bits of their squad that don't kind of make too much sense. We like Craig, you were saying earlier, that midfield too. I mean, if, if Peyton's sat on. Kelly's shoulders and they put a big coat over them you wouldn't even let them into an 18 movie so <laughs> I mean it's not, it's not exactly going to strike fear in the hearts of any opponents but anyway we should probably move away for this game and get to our final two let's start with the match at uh, New Douglas Park Hamilton won Rangers won Hamilton getting a, a thoroughly deserved point with pretty much the last kick of the game after uh, Brian Easton two, two old goals really in this one Brian Easton on goal and then uh, Alan McGregor on goal as, as Callahan's late shot was definitely not on target and uh, but Aki's kind of to me took advantage of Rangers maybe in a little bit of cruise control at the moment uh, because well, Aki's deserve a lot of credit for the, the way in which they kind of hungrily chased Rangers about the park, didn't give them much space in the ball, didn't let them settle, tried as best they could to overwhelm them with, with, their, with their work rate. We've seen teams try to do that to Rangers loads of times this season, and when Rangers are on it, they can just pass around them. But Rangers were not on it, and Hamilton should have got the three points. Yeah, I think, um, I think the... You look at the the latter stages of this game when Jack comes on, and after that Davis and Rangers are are just much better. And I, I think, I think that's what they were missing, and all that time uh, up to that point in the game, uh, as you say, they were they were struggling to get out from the back. And uh, as we know, Kamara can do that, but him and Zungu just uh, weren't providing the same kind of. Um, the same kind of outlet from those positions as the Rangers starting midfield does when everybody's fit. I mean, realistically, Itten and Zungu are Rangers' third choice in each of those areas. So it's kind of difficult to be terribly critical of it as well. But at the same time, Gerrard's done this quite a few times in, in games that he really should be winning. He did it against Livingston earlier in the season as well. And I'm not totally convinced you need Glenn Kamara and Zungu um, at the time, it was Kamara and Jack in the midfield as well. Just it just feels a little bit unadventurous. And I know that he plays the same system broadly every week. Um, with sort of tweaks here and there, but the sort of fundamentals stay roughly the same. But in a game at Hamilton, where I mean, Rangers should be winning this game, um, you would have thought it just feels a little bit conservative. Um, which seems a bit strange but at the same time it needs game time Zungu needs game time I did wonder whether the upcoming European ties for Rangers are now in the forefront of their minds as opposed to the league which they're going to win the league um, so maybe it's a, a, a case of let's get bodies rotated in there similarly if you're going to be rotating bodies then surely it would be some of the back four or the back five who have played must have played an obscene amount of minutes this season so far yeah especially I mean, they've rotated set and a half a bit alongside Golson, but Golson, Tav, and Barisic in particular, and uh, Davis must have played a, a whole lot, of, a lot of time. Uh, and McGregor as well. Uh, they kind of had, kind of seemed to be rotating him and McLaughlin early in the season, and that seems to have stopped pretty recently. Like I, I can't remember seeing McLaughlin too much in the last like two, three months. But we should probably talk about Hamilton because they were the well. Firstly, we just kind of as you were saying in midweeks, could have running out of things to say about Rangers <laughs> uh, as they just kind of, you know, waltz to this title. But uh, Aki's... If Aki's... Craig, if Aki's stay up, Ross Callaghan, MVP of the league? 
Well, he'll certainly he'll certainly be nominated. I think yeah, I think he'll be up for that nom- that much coveted uh, award at the end of the season. But uh, yeah, I think I, I think it's a serious. There's a serious point in there though because we there was points we made at this uh, earlier in the season that Aki's have always had that kind of talisman. That, I mean, I think it's a bit of a stretch to call Callan their talisman, but they've always had that player around the midfield attack and midfield area that has kind of dragged them through games and ultimately dragged them to survival. They've had Doherty, they've had uh, Crawford, Templeton, all these kind of guys. And at the start of the season, it looked like they had nobody to step up into that, other than Templeton, who then got injured. But Callahan, since he has been pushed forward into the 10 a bit, and I think it was... Was it around the time that they went to Tannadice and remember when he blooned that penalty? They went one 0 up. He scored. Did he score? And then they, he blooned the penalty. Yes, and, uh, it was after. It yeah. was around that time that they pushed them into that position, and he, he's not looked back since. He, like you say, he's he's been one of the uh, star performers in the league since. He really has. That, that for me, it's baffling. Um, Graham, <laughs> do you make any <laughs> sense? Gonna- I've long, long since stopped trying to make any sense of Hamilton Ackies, but it was good to see them only start with six defenders instead of seven this time. That was a a, a step in the right direction from Brian. They just Weiss, played perhaps. with a man down and Charlie Trafford instead. <laughs> yeah, not a, and not, again, not a popular selection uh, before the game. If you just read all of the comments to the team team news that came out for yeah. Hamilton fans, saying like, "Why the fuck is he there?" <laughs> again, we saw a little bit more from Bruce Anderson as well, and it's. I think I'm sort of loath to talk too much about it because I'll just repeat myself from last time as well. But there's, I mean, there's definitely something there, and it is, it does feel very much like it's kind of up to him in terms of what it wants to do. Um, Marius Ogunbo again is a complete fucking pain in the ass. Like he disappoints me on a on a regular basis, given that in games like this he feels like a really sort of useful outlet for for launching balls at essentially because he can compete on his day with just about any centre half in the league uh, you saw last year he had a, a really good game against I think it was, it was against uh, Julian and Ayer for Celtic as well when he gave them real trouble he gave Goldson and Hollander a, a, a difficult afternoon again as well and then he seems to sort of vanish out of play for the next three or four games and then he'll come back for a big game maybe he's just a TV player maybe he's a a, a a Hamilton version of Lionel Ainsworth and he's only interested in getting, getting in scraps and getting in fights when it's on the telly but uh, yeah Callahan's a weird one. <laughs> he's, the, the, he's, he seems to have sort of loaded the defensive side of Hamilton Ackies and the attacking side onto his own his own back and just drag them through games. It's it's exactly what they need. And you're absolutely right in saying that he's probably the least exciting of the the talisman or the sort of talismanic players that Ackies have had. But he is certainly stepping up and, and performing that role for them. So sorry, he looks so fit. Yeah, like physically, he looks in great condition. Yeah. Which again is what Sean McGuigan always said about him when he was at um, from his from being at Wraith Rovers and going to Hearts. If he was going to, sure it was Sean had said that if he was going to succeed, it was going to be because he was just going to run over the top of people and keep running until people gave up on him. So, aye, fair enough. Right, but I fair. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, fair play to Ackies. They got the most shots uh, that Rangers have faced in the league this season, and they made Alan McGregor very, very angry. <laughs> shame. Not that shame. it's hard. No, it's not actually. <laughs> Let's list all the things that made Alan McGregor angry. No, we'll do it. That's a Patreon. That's, that's a 45 hour podcast. Right. Let's get to the final game. We won't spend too much time on this. It's Celtic 2, Motherwell 1. Celtic were pretty 
good for the first hour. Like, uh, maybe not vintage Celtic, even under Lennon, but uh, certainly an improvement on a lot of what you've seen of them this season. A lot more kind of tempo, kind of dominating the game. Fullbacks getting forward a lot, creating overloads, and probably should have been ahead by, by more than the two goals. However, Motherwell scores a deflected goal. It's a wee bit fortunate, but for that point forward, Motherwell have the better chances in the game. And Celtic, well, a draw would have been harsh on them overall. You know, they, they were still a little bit fortunate that they didn't end up to each with that great chance at the end for, for Harry Smith. Just doing the right thing and heading it down, but just heading it down that little bit too much so that the ball could have bounced and just hung up in the air long enough for Diego Laxalt to hook it clear because, I mean, if Motherwell decoys at the end, it, it, it probably wouldn't have changed their head because I don't know what the hell was going on with Lennon, whether they're ever going to get rid of him, but it certainly would have been very, very funny. I reckon if Harry Smith was six foot two, he'd have scored that. But because he's an absolute giant, then no, he did not score that. Um, my main thing to add to this is that Liam Kelly is really good. Um, he is as he's as good. Uh, Liam Kelly's as good a shout as anybody to make to take that third goalkeeper spot at the Euros for me. Um, obviously, the first two seem sort of fairly signed up and they're the guys that are actually going to play games when we get there. Um, but if there's a third for the third spot, Liam Kelly for me. He's a better goalkeeper than Robbie McCrory. Um, aside from that, I don't really know who you'd be looking at, but possibly McLaughlin to go along as well. Yeah, he's um, obviously got the benefit over McLaughlin that he's actually playing games. Yeah, absolutely. And aside from that, I'm really struggling for, for bodies beyond that. Chris Long has, as I said before, has turned up and looks interested for Motherwell once again, which is great. Alan Campbell was far more himself. Stephen O'Donnell had one of his, uh, probably one of his best games for us. Um, the, the flick through to Campbell in order to set up Campbell's weird shot which I still can't decide whether or not it's deflected um, was very very good as well yeah all, all in all to, to me in the first half it felt like a game where Motherwell were going to play quite well lose 2 nothing, and not have a shot on target um, which was done Graham. yeah oh sorry man I thought you were done I've done that a few no, times no, with this. This, this, I'm still getting used to this clean feed um, Chris Long is, is the difference we're seeing in him, do you think that goes back to a personal relationship between him and Stephen Robinson? Because it seemed to be when Stephen Robinson was aiming criticism at a few individuals in his team, there seemed to be a, a consensus that one of those was long that he was talking about. I'd say that's probably about right. Um, I, whether it was a person, there was a one of uh, what appeared to be one of Long's mates. Uh, appearing in Motherwell's Twitter comments talking about how he'd been let down by the club or something like that along those lines and it did feel like it was a personal thing rather than a professional thing um, and to be fair I think Long Long immediately turning up in the press as well during the week and talking about how uh, now he's back to being a number nine he's much happier as well I did wonder whether it was a case of he took the hump because he was promised to be the starting number nine and then he turned up and then went actually you're going to be the starting number 99 and then for some <laughs> reason that really really mattered to him but again <laughs> Jelly, there have been stranger stories that have turned out to be true um, but I, I, I have no idea <laughs> Just looked um, at Jordan White in training one day. It was like, really, this guy? <laughs> I was fucking you joking me, lads. Um, but no, the the next two games are any, anything Motherwell got out of this game was a positive. The fact that Graham Alexander turned up at Parkhead and didn't give a shit and just played the same way that we've been playing anyway was quite a positive thing. It's quite a nice thing. It's something which you only really see in managers that are brand new to Scottish football. 
guys that have been here for a while and Robinson was much the same when he started out of going to Parkhead and do you know what or going to play Rangers Celtic going do you know what fuck it if they want to beat us they need to beat us at our game and Alexander going to take on Celtic and doing much the same as we've been we've been doing in the last few games anyway it's a free hit the next two games uh, Kilmarnock and Aki's are the ones which are vital for Motherwell if we take two wins from there Motherwell are safe the, the season is over for us we will finish at the very worst 8th or ninth. Um, but that's that's the important one. It allows us to start building for next season. It allows us to start starting Harry Smith in games to see what, whether he's going to be a, a legitimate option for us going forward. It allows us to start doing business going forward. But that would be what would be twelve points from fifteen um, over over five games, which for just about anybody in the league at the moment is is a good record, um, given that nobody seems capable of getting putting together any sort of run of games. Um, but that's 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 the big one for us going forward. In addition, as well, if Celtic. If Celtic, if Celtic wanted a, a goalkeeper, would you rather have Scott Bain or would you rather have Liam Kelly at this moment in time? Um, Bain is no good. He is an, he's, how he has made as many appearances for Celtic for um, as he has remains an absolute mystery to me. He's not good enough. He just lets shots go through him. I've n- I've never seen a goalkeeper that lets so many shots go through him. It's 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 mad. And Barkas doesn't let that many shots go through him. He might not make outstanding saves like five million pound would suggest, but he certainly hasn't been letting shots go through him like Bain does. Although their latest sticking plaster, uh, John Joe Kenny, looked all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he, he looks like a, a decent player, but it'll, it'll be rubbish by the end of the season. Lennon will ground yeah, him down. Lennon will suck it out of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. L- Lacks up looked great when he first turned up as well. Now he's like clearly not even as good as Greg Taylor. So yeah, the, the same will go for Kerry. Ralston will be back in the team by May. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Say that on the telly. <laughs> Uh, I'll see if it comes up I'll find a way right I think that'll do us Uh, thank you very much to everybody for listening Uh, we're going to now record a Patreon where we try to introduce the Super Bowl halftime show into Scottish football (laughs) or we try we we basically think of ways in which the Scottish Cup final could be more like the Super Bowl in terms of the the event uh, as opposed to it sounds hellish uh, but it should be a lot of fun to discuss which uh, bands and people and and things we would like to, to bring to this to to just well, really, just annoy Scottish football fans if it ever actually happened, because that's just what would occur. Anyway, Graham, say goodbye. Goodbye, Craig. See you later. On. And I'm Craig Fowler saying goodbye, and we'll be back again on uh, Thursday, if not before then. Goodbye. Cheers. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 